<laughs> you know I always have pizza at least once a week. That's just baseline self-care. True. What you about to get? Yo, I do not like to cheat on pizza bones. They got the sourdough crust, the classic mini pepperonis, and a whole ass wine bar, aka friend bar, if that's not the cutest thing ever, next door with thoughtful natural wine picks. They'll even help you pick one out for your hot date. Those little cookies with sea salt, though. Exactly. Don't sleep on pizza bones. Open every day except Tuesdays for dinner. Solid price for shareable sizes. As well as hosts of Pride Prom mini markets and a sick patio for great hangs. Pizza bones is for the people. Check them out. Yo, you feel that? Dog, that's that's queer retrograde, queer baby. Retrograde, baby. Definitely a new reality. <laughs> we just crash landed into. What's up, QR? I'm Hobbs. I use they, them pronouns. And I'm LJ. I use any pronouns. Welcome back to Queer Retrograde. You hear that? <laughs> Open up a fresh can of whoop ass for a great conversation. Oh, jeez. <laughs> AKA the best kombucha. This is not an ad, but maybe it should be. <laughs> <laughs> It's this show with mushrooms in it. It's called Alive Ancient Mushroom Elixir. Mm-hmm. It is really good. Yeah, it's good. They got all different kinds. Of course, it's like every time you like something, you can't find it anywhere. Mm-hmm. The world does know when you're fiending. Well, where'd you find it? Up in Millerton, New York. Our dear roommate Liv bought like four at one time. And I was like, it's got to be pretty good if they're buying in bulk. And then I tried it. And then because I felt like I was never going to see it again, I didn't get attached to how much I like it. Mm-hmm. But then I found it in Lidl down here, so... Love it. It's giving monogamous for me. (laughs) Me and this drink. It's a great NA (laughs) alternative. Great. I'm glad that you have your drink. I have some water. (laughs) (laughs) Um, how you doing? How you feeling? I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty jazzed. I feel like today's topic, we're going into the uh, throes of interracial dating, is equal parts exciting as it is boring to me. Because it, it just reminds me of the class I took in college that was about family and it took forever when to talk about the real details of their family just because it felt so like just everyday normal shit. Mm-hmm. But I am excited for using the side of my brain that I got in college of through women's studies and studying critical race theory and all those things of just combining that into your you know street smart stuff to get into the nuances of <laughs> Millie of... <laughs> relationships and how they come apart so i'm I'm excited baseline nice yeah how are you feeling good um i feel also excited for this conversation i obviously have been thinking about race a lot (laughs) yeah (laughs) you have (laughs) yeah um yeah for context i'm in this (laughs) course that's basically about whiteness right now so um yeah, so I'm excited to talk about this and talk about, you know, our relationship and all the other interracial relationships that I've been in. and Interracial relationships? We're in a, <laughs> calling us a swirl? <laughs> Swirly whirly. Oh, okay. In so many oh, ways. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, give it all away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in general, I think I've just been feeling tired and cold. <laughs> fair that's so fair I mean it feels like this I was mentioning this to you earlier today like it feels like we're in this in-between area where Mm. there's we're trying a lot of different new things and we're kind of you know we're in the middle of this season for QR and 
it just I'm just you know I'm I'm in that that flow of of the in between is where it is right now. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, how'd you feel about that new logo we just dropped, though? Oh, <laughs> it is so good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Ray did such a good job. I feel like it really does reflect, like, where we're at with the podcast and where we're at in ourselves in general as well. Like, I feel serious. like a little bit more serious, <laughs> yeah. a little bit more like, we've been through some shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you see all that black space behind us? That's the abyss, bitch. Yeah. yeah. We've been there and we came back. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Came here to talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. So, I love it. What yeah. Are, yeah, what about you? It's giving more queer for me. Like, when I... It's funny when you don't really, like, think about comparing anything when you're not... I don't know. With the last logo, I wasn't really thinking about how different we are from that and with how much time has passed since we first got it, because I love that logo. Mm-hmm. It, it was... It is perfect for the era of what it represented. Like, just playful, just, you know, just wanted to really signal, like... This is for the queers, you know, just based on the color scheme, like off the jump. And now it's like, okay, season nine, (laughs) which still feels wild to say when I think about how much content we've produced, but also like where our topics go to now and how we've built this current season and where things will go next and how it's growing in a way that makes sense while still being sustainable to the approachability that I think we offer for Mm -hmm. interacting with the people that listen to the show or whatever. And I just feel like running around with our new set of business cards will just I think bring a different kind of zing to it with there's there's a little bit more of a question mark I think that that logo elicits for me and I I like that Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. nice Mm -hmm. yeah well interracial dating do you want to get us started interracial dating yes (laughs) you know what happens when Everyone on the rainbow gets... I mean, I have been in interracial interracial relationships my entire life. I woke up. My first day on Earth. <laughs> I look up. I see a white lady looking at me. I'm like, who, who's, who's that? You know, I'm into it. I'm not questioning it. I didn't question that shit until I was in fifth grade, y'all. <laughs> I was like, we're all the same. Color of the rainbow. Until some kid at recess when we, when we had our field day. My parents came. This is... I grew up in Mechanicsville, Virginia. Like, it's it's white. I, I've been around a lot of white people my whole life. I am... My mom's side is white, English descent, I believe. And then my dad's side is Cameroonian. And I don't have a lot of connections to... Or dialogue, really, with my dad's side. So I think being a mixed kid in a white environment growing up... I don't really go down with that trope that I hear a lot of other mixed people say, or I was never white enough or never black enough. I'm just like, I have always just felt like, just like different and the same all at once. Like, again, like with what I was saying before, like bringing my parents to field day, like some kid, Spencer, I remember you, Spencer, I remember you. (laughs) You're out there listening. (laughs) You're fucking out there, Spencer. When he was like, but he did give me a great, you know, college admissions essay because he was like, are you adopted? I was like, why the fuck would you ask me that? Mm. That's my mommy. (laughs) (laughs) She looked just like me. What are you talking about? (laughs) I'm like, I understand the man's because that's my stepdad and he's also white. I understood that part. I was like, well, I guess technically he did adopt me, but how would you know that? Mm. (laughs) It's like all these like gears turning in my mind. But yeah, it just... I think catapulted me, oh my god, like, I am different. I am different. And as much as that has been so obvious in a racial way, I think that's just been, like, the very tip of the iceberg for how different I felt 
around the people I've taken up company with in my family and like friends of Mechanicsville in my childhood and young adulthood that I was, yeah, it's just been the launch pad for it, but it has not started or hasn't ended there really Mm -hmm. for how interracial uh, has been like a theme in my life. Right. So did y'all talk about race in your home or (sighs) at school or anything? Growing up? Like, no. Mm -hmm. Only in a way where it was kind of the butt of the joke. Because I was tokenized, like, Mm -hmm. the entire time. It was never like, oh, Hobbs, like, you're black. No, you're just, you're Hobbs. And I'm like, okay. Like, I know now what that means of just, okay, you think that black people or black people and how I'm admitting that, like, you're exceptionalizing it for whatever grips you need to come to in your own experience or lack thereof with black people and this is how you're gonna let me know that you've made an exception for me in your life in some kind of way or even when I look back at my high school yearbook and seeing all the signatures on there and like a lot of it great content yeah great friendships were made but a lot of there is just a lot of racial racially charged like I feel like every single day was a negotiation of whether or not and how I was giving up my power in my blackness. And, like, mm. it was just kind of like a costume that I felt like people expected of me or, like, anytime I'd open my mouth during uh, topics about race, it's like, well, you represent everyone, so what do you have to say about that? Mm. And that's just always been, like, a thing. And, again, it's almost hard to talk about in some way just because it just felt so fucking normal, like, my whole childhood, my whole life. And then more... When I think about school, that doesn't surprise me. But when I think about it at home, like, I always felt different from my mom just when we were out in public. I felt like, like, how could she really, like, claim me, you mm. know? <laughs> You've got, like, and there's there's definitely been moments in the course of growing up where um, she felt ostracized from, like, my dad's side of, my biological dad's side of the family and, like, vice versa. I'm sure he felt certain ways with that. But... I think the lack of talking was just, like, this large effort to make everyone, quote-unquote everyone, being my brother and I, mm-hmm. who are of the same race, patient, or parent combination, to make us feel, like, comfortable. But be- through that, like, lack of talking, like, that just kind of made it more uncomfortable about it. Because, yeah, everyone's just kind of, you guys are just, you know, you're Jesse and Hobbs. Like, this is just what it is. And I'm like, yo, but, like, it would be great if like, there was a more tangible effort to be, like, here is someone in your life who I think can you can relate to. Mm. Just more introductions of, like, I think black role models or, like, not even just black, but just any brown person or any, like, other than white <laughs> would have been great. I think for all of us, I mean, I think that's just the main theme with race in general. Just mm-hmm. be out there, get exposed, talk to people, get different ideas into your psyche. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think there's just a whole overlay of passiveness of if we don't talk about it, that means we're not doing anything wrong but when we do talk about it and there have been times where when i do talk about it that all of a sudden makes it racist (laughs) versus like talking about race isn't inherently racist but it's just the trajectory of that in my family has been like years and such slow and when i think about my extended family mostly when i think about that Mm. of just slow 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 like inklings towards I don't think I've actually had a full-on conversation about race with any of my extended family members until, like, the last three years. Mm. And that's, like, very select people. Because mm-hmm. everyone else is just, well, if we don't talk about it, then we don't have to worry about it. But I'm like, but we need to talk about it, because it's not to say that I'm worried about it. 
or maybe you're not worried about it, but we need to talk about it. Right. There's things to be celebrated here. It's not inherently negative, and I think that's just been the long overlay mm. of my experience. Mm-hmm. So. In school, were you mostly surrounded by white people? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, no, not for the first, like, bit. Like, in kindergarten through second grade, I was in a private school, and there was only, like, four or five people in, like, each class, and, like, I had a lot of, like, black friends, a lot of, like, East Asian friends, and it was just, like, it was such a small community of people that, like, we were all, like, really tight, so that felt really normal to me. That was, like, my first exposure to, like, public life, so mm-hmm. that was kind of, like, my starting point, but all throughout, like, middle school high school i've long been like the only black mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. or yeah it, it as far as groups go but i would still have black friends and it wasn't like i was the only black person in the school it wasn't that extreme but still like very much so in the minority yeah i mean that gives a lot of context for the your answer of the fact that you didn't talk a lot about race growing up yeah. you're surrounded by white people pretty much entirely it sounds like for yeah. the most part mm-hmm. and I mean that was definitely my experience growing up was I no one ever mentioned or talked about race to me or with me mm-hmm. um I feel like once I and I grew up in central Pennsylvania in a very kind of like rural area and Mm -hmm. it it was mostly white people where I was and where I went to school um and then whenever I moved to Richmond Virginia and Mm -hmm. went to VCU that's whenever I was like whoa exposed to so many different people from so many different walks of life Mm -hmm. and I was even more than that like that was just freshman year and then I went into art school Mm -hmm. and then it's like Everyone is talking about gender and race, (laughs) pretty much. So it was just like, it kind of went from zero to 100 for me in that way. Um, And That was like VCU's biggest selling point. That's the only college I applied to. Mm. Because it was, there's black people here. (laughs) You can be among people that have similar experiences as you. Like, there was no other option in my mind. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it fulfilled that sort of desire for you? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think VCU, for all of how it, it does better than the other colleges in Virginia, and that's not saying a whole lot, but that's saying enough for me to feel like, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there was a great amount of diversity, but they are also are probably still guilty of, you know, putting diversity on the front page of the brochure, but it's not really, like, mm-hmm. obviously, like, systematically as profound as it ought to be for how much money that they do actually have and all that right so yeah i mean as someone who worked in the dean's office in the school of the arts at vcu and saw who was in that office yeah and aka who was making all of the administrative dollars Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. all pretty much white people white ladies in the school of the arts at least you know Um, White ladies. Yeah, so I totally (laughs) get what you're saying there. So to clarify, you are white, right? I am white. (laughs) Um, I am white. My I had a feeling. (laughs) My mom's side is Sicilian, Italian, and Mm. Pennsylvania Dutch and German. And my dad's side is big old question mark i've asked a lot of questions <laughs> really? to a lot of different family members and they always just say you know we're white mutts like 
Okay. That, which to me is just mixed European descent. Okay. Um, but they're su- they're from the south, you know. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot more deliberate um, kind of like erasure of all of the stories because you know at the end of the day, I they probably are a lineage of slave owners, you know, mm-hmm. and so that is a big thing that I've noticed whenever I'm asking questions, because with my mom's side, my mom's mom, uh, basically my mom's grandmother was the first generation here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. from Sicily. Like, she only spoke Italian. Nice. Um, And, like, lived in the house with my mom and her mom, like, when my mom was growing up and stuff. So my mom, I feel like, has more connection to, like, the stories and just the culture in general and stuff like that. Whereas my dad, he's like, I don't know, country ham? Like, that, and that's (laughs) very part, you know, as far as it goes. And um, I think it does just have a lot to do with the fact that they're located in the deep south, you know? Yeah. I'm sure those records are there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they are, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so considering that you never, like, that your family didn't talk about race m- much, if at all, growing up, mm. but then obviously your mom was in an interracial relationship. Right. So what, what has... <laughs> I just remembered. And was, like, <laughs> your perception of interracial relationships, like, throughout your life? Um, I think that's probably what made me feel like I wasn't really questioning it because that's my mom, that's my dad. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really see them together. Like, it's not like we had a long or even like a meaty chapter of like me, my brother, and my mom and my dad. It was like Mm. me and Jesse and my mom. Like, I think of parenthood a lot with just like the three of us. I see. Until Dan came along, and that's where, like, uh, I guess the full nuclear family, like, unit started to create its own narratives in my mind. But my impression of my dad, I think, is just so in its own category of, like, the the skeletons in the closet around, like, abandonment wounds and, like, just estrangement and um, long periods of time. Like, I haven't talked to the guy for, like, 13 years, and he calls me up like, two or three, four years ago, probably, and, like, even, like, just this year, I messaged my uncle to figure out, like, what tribe we're from, and, like, all, like, that kind Mm. of stuff, but I feel like looking back at my childhood and, like, what my sense of normal was for interracial, like, things, I just don't really remember spending a lot of time thinking about it, and I think that's just, just me as a kid. Mm -hmm. Like, at one point, in between the divorce and moving into our new life, we moved in with my mom's friend, Sheila, and she's a black woman, and she's got black kids, Mm. and, like, that just felt like a unit of my uh, upbringing that was like just also I just didn't really question it because it's like these are this is my family and like I think if anything that showed that showed me the route of chosen family because I knew that I wasn't directly related to Sheila but like she was someone who even to this day will check up on me still and be like how you doing kind of thing where like that sense of like there was I'm not saying that there was no role models for me in the black department but like it's just I don't feel like they're was enough for like how I think about a child growing up now I'm like there's just so much more we could be doing Mm -hmm. to have kids be exposed to people that they might one day emulate in their life in some way Mm -hmm. like I feel like I'm on that life trajectory of I'm becoming the person that I needed growing up Mm -hmm. and I can stand by that today but from childhood growing up yeah it just 
I think I just like put like just shoved a lot down, not out of like anything, but just uh, I didn't even know what the questions would be, mm-hmm. you know, until like fifth grade when that Spencer asked that question. And then I'm like writing my college admissions, admissions essay about that moment and like coming to grips with all the times I've let people um, racialize me. Mm-hmm in a way that was negative even though it was like a low-key like southern just we don't really think about this shit or know we're doing any better because this everyone's white here and this is just what we you know it's i don't know if i answered your question but it's hard to like go back into like my fifth grade younger brain of what i was thinking about race because i wasn't really thinking about it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was just more like you're feeling things and then life is kind of happening to you but I didn't really have any conclusions about it do you remember like any moments in your life even in your adult life where you met like an interracial couple and you were like oh my gosh like you know inspired in some way or something (laughs) or you were like just mostly I was I'm just always excited to see black people yeah in general like when I see other interracial couples like that is affirming to me in different ways and i think that's just a rooted dna thing for me i'm like this is where i came from and it's great to see that this is still a thing that other people are making people from Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think that's great but yeah just in general anytime i'm around a black or a brown person i'm like yes yeah Yeah. (laughs) this is great and i hope you know like i can just open up the door in a way to them where they want to hang out with me as much as i want to hang out with them because it always feels special to me to be around black people always 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 Mm mm-hmm being around white people just makes it like there's a level of, like normalcy there and familiarity there just how could i explain that outside of that's just what i've mm-hmm. again i came out the womb looking at that song right like, this is just what it is right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so wait you said you didn't have like any like black people in your life or etc not really college. i mean i it's wild because i remember my parents were both very um, social people, yeah. you know, and they had parties a lot and stuff like mm. that. And so, I and I mean, my dad, like two of his best friends are black men, but I don't remember like being around them so much when I was like younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Wait, did you guys talk about race, at, like, growing up or, like, at school? No. Oh, my God, Lindsay, did you say the N-word? No. Wow, okay. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible, but I don't think so. Ah! <laughs> Cut! No, it's I'm like, I don't ever want to... Hey, y'all. LJ here. Hobbs here, too. Queer retrograde listeners. We need your help. Yeah, mm-hmm. we are planning something very exciting for our last episode of this season, which is a little sharing of what's going on in y'all's life. We want to hear from you. Whether it's a question, a story, uh, a nightmare, maybe that happened IRL, I don't know. Just something you want to share about whether it comes to dating, love, relationships. We want to hear from you guys. Like, we are dying to know mm-hmm. all the hot goss, but also just maybe just inspirational story who's to say right we would love to hear your your dating queer dating success stories too that'd be yes. awesome you can brag to us Please. we want to hear it we want to know about it anything you want to say absolutely so if you have a story or a question 
please send it to us. You can email us at queerretrograde at gmail.com. You can DM us on Instagram at queerretrograde, TikTok, same thing, whatever it is. You can send us a voice note, text, whatever. We just want to hear from you. Y'all know the drill. Thank you. Love you. Bye. And we're back. Okay. I don't ever want to, like, completely excuse myself from, like, any type of, you know, Mm -hmm. racist act because then, you know, who knows what you could scrounge up on my old Twitter or some shit. What's on your old Twitter? I I don't think there's anything, like, explicitly racist, but at the same time, like I said, I could have heard that word and been like, I don't know, like, I think that means jerk. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's how little we talked about right. any of this shit. Right. And, like, even in college, like, now that you ask that, I'm like, there's a good chance that I probably did say it in college just because I remember I had a lot of black friends that said it around me, mm. you know? And I didn't know what it meant. No and one came for you? No one came for me. No one came for you? No one came for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> That word, like, the N-word has always been, like, a thing in my mind where, like, every time I think about saying it or I do say it, it feels like I'm trying to sour candy where I'm, like, I know I could. Mm-hmm. I know I could do it. Like, I can handle it. <laughs> but I don't know. Just something, I think, from that, all of the whiteness that I've seen since my inception, it just there's a certain level of discomfort mm-hmm. that I'm like, it's not for me to use, mm-hmm. even though I know I could use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. When do you feel like, well, obviously you were in G-sex, so yeah. like y'all. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those words too, where I think if you really know what it means, mm-hmm. if you really, 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 really know what it means, right? where it comes from, how it was used and the things that are in the overlays of those power dynamics, like, the more books that I read about, like, what was actually going down, like, down, 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 minute to minute in slavery. Yeah. I'm like, I, that word just brings up so much pain. hmm Not, but again, even when people say it around me, I don't really think about it then. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just, like, one of those things where I'm like, well, I don't particularly feel full body chest about using it as a word, so I don't, it doesn't often slip into my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily think about those things when other people, when other black people specifically, use it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just one of those things. Yeah. Or if I'm, like, yeah, it's hard to be casual about mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I'm trying to, like, rack my brain for whenever I, like, had a full understanding of, like, what that word actually meant and where it came mm-hmm. from and stuff. It must have just been, like, at some point in art school, like, the conversation came up. Right. You know, like, someone made a piece, and, like, we talked about it or something, and I was like, oh, fuck, like... Yeah. You know? Not for everybody. But, literally, that's, like, the first, like, 18, 19, 20 years of my life, like... And they're trying to ban this And they're trying to ban... Yeah, they're trying to... Critical race theory? And it's like, what are you even... We need it. The question is, (laughs) what are are you even banning if we aren't even talking about it to begin with? Like... Trying, yeah, they're trying to, they're, you know what, the government's coming after me personally. They're trying to null, nullify my entire degree. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but to the original question. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like, yeah, it was definitely in college whenever I experienced, like, my first interracial relationships for myself. Mm-hmm. And also seeing other people and being like, oh, my God, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, I remember asking my stepdad, who was white, to clarify. I was like, yo, if somebody calls me the N-word at school, like, does that give me the right to beat them up? And he was just like, I mean... Like, it's just, like, faux falling around, like, I, I don't know, violence, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, yo, get... If someone calls me this right. shit, can I get... Are you going to have my back or not? Right. It sounds thing. like you had your mind made up. I did. I did. <laughs> he was just like, I'm not trying to tell you yes, but, you know, I'm like... <laughs> Shit. Right, but what are you gonna say, Dan? Right. At the end of the day, right, <laughs> right, yeah. Do you feel like society in general is more accepting of interracial relationships, or do you feel like it's sort of the same same oppressions of Black people, but in different ways, different avenues? Right, right, right. I see a lot of interracial relationships. Mm-hmm. There's definitely more. So with that, there has to be more room for them, mm-hmm. does there not? I think that there's still, I don't know, as much as you can, like, say in one reality that, like, yeah, it's really gotten better, there's, like, nine other realities you can point to where it's, like, clearly, no, it hasn't. Right. So it's hard to give that a, a blatant yes or no answer. Mm-hmm. But again, for how the frequency of, like, how many people, and I do feel like so much of, like, race in the grand scheme of, like, the next 100, 200, 300 years, like, I mean, ideally, race will become what it is. It's just a silly, at its bone structure, it's a silly thing that we are obsessed with. Mm -hmm. Literally, the color of somebody, like, wow. Mm -hmm. But here we are, like, making all kinds of different legislation and, like, violent decisions about it. Mm -hmm. And that can't go without saying, but... There are a lot more people doing it. So I'm like, it, pretty soon, like, how are we going to be able to discern differences in race? Maybe we'll find something else to really get fixated on to oppress each other about. Mm-hmm. That's cute. But, like, for what it is now, I want to say that it, I think it's gotten better just because I see a lot more of it. I think people are more, I don't want to say open-minded because I feel like that suggests, like, they're being uh, a step up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, that people are being decent to themselves into the circumstance of life that you're just going to come across different perspectives and that's something to celebrate in life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, someone made the analogy to me sometime in the past few years of like, um, <clears throat> the analogy of how it's great to like diversity is important in the room like mm-hmm. at any table having a variety of you know ex- perspectives is super important in the same way that like whenever you're farming or gardening you don't want to have all of the same crop in one area because it's a lot more likely for there to be like pests or right. for there to be a crop failure of some kind versus yeah. like whenever all the different crops can work together they kind of help each other in various ways. And I was just like, okay, well, that seems like it's a very approachable lens for, like, white people to get into to, like, get behind it because it's, like, plants, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start using this whenever I'm talking to any white person about race. And yeah. um, so in that in that sense, it's like, okay, well, now we have more, like, words, language, analogy to have discussions, but at the same time, like, why do we have to relate ourselves? Like, why do we have to, like, you know, find... Mm. Why do I have to talk about plants to get white people to care? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Because even in the people example, they don't go deep enough. Mm -hmm. Like, I heard about, you know, Denmark, 
all, all the Nordic countries, I feel like. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, like it's always named one of the happiest places on earth. Like they are having <laughs> so much fun in Lies. Denmark. And it's like, well, yeah, when the country's so homogenized, where, and I've been mm-hmm. there, y'all. I ain't talking out of my ass. They are all looking the same, acting the same, dressing the same, listening to the same shit. Mm-hmm. And I've all decided, yeah, we all deserve the same things. It's like, okay, but when you go there, you meet one black person, you're like, what's it really like? And they, like, take a deep breath before they even begin to, like, get into it. Because it's, like, it's all in the perspective. Yeah. And, like, any time I've been in a room where whiteness is the minority, and obviously I can't speak for the white person who's there, but I'm like, doesn't this just feel better mm-hmm. in terms of just the like the the relief mm-hmm. i think because like how long i mean you're talking about 18 years before you were around like other like non-white people mm-hmm. like i'm talking like <laughs> a lifetime too and like my own home type shit mm-hmm. that like when you're just around diversity mm-hmm. and i don't think it's bias mm-hmm. <laughs> i think it's just the true homegrown like like just truth mm-hmm. of we're supposed to be around each other yeah in a way that like it reflects the abundance that's like within us if we can see that matched outside of us i think it just like it nat- it just feels better yeah in some way absolutely or just yeah it's just more accurate to like what life really is like it's just there's so many different kinds of like fucking ladybugs like you think there's only one. I don't know. I'm getting off track of my metaphor here, but like, <laughs> right. it's still, I don't know. I just think that there's something very natural about diversity that Absolutely. is undeniable. Absolutely. I mean, the plants, right? That's yeah. not, na- right? Like, I, yeah, I'm just fighting for the people. Absolutely. And <laughs> as someone that, like, who yeah. has been like the only white person at various mm-hmm. events that you and I have gone to, like all that's running through my brain the whole time is like, wow, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> I'm just happy <laughs> to be here, you know? Same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a cool thing. So I get that. I got what you're saying for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So wait, is this your first interracial relationship? You and me? Mm-hmm. No. No. Speak on it. <laughs> Speak on. <laughs> what? What facet of it? I don't know. I guess I didn't have a question behind it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I am, I am someone who, like, whenever I asked my dad, he explained it so beautifully in one word. <laughs> I was like, did you know I was queer? He was like, you're just everything. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I am. You are an a la carte bitch. Especially, like, when people are like, what's your type or something right. like that. I, n- I don't have one. Like, mm-hmm. I legitimately have dated so many different types of people, so many different genders, races, everything. Mm -hmm. I'll say the biggest difference I've noticed in interracial relationships versus relationships with people who are white, especially when I was dating white cis men, Mm. or when I dated a white cis man. um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, wait, I thought... I heard that in a very literal way. Go on. <laughs> um, is we talk about race more. Yeah. We talk about race more. As we should be. Like, literally every single relationship that I've been in that's an interracial relationship, whether it's romantic, platonic, whatever, mm-hmm. like, I always feel myself growing just in the sense of my own knowledge of, like, culture. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like... And and my own knowledge, too, of, like, how personal a lot of things that we can see in the U.S. as political, how personal they really are to fucking people, you yeah. know? Um, For sure. 
yeah, those are the two biggest standout things to me. Um, yeah, I feel like it. I've had a, a good amount of variety too in who I've dated, but like the white people versus like non-white people, it's interesting to me to think about like who brings up the race, mm. who brings it up, and like who is in that room comfortable with it being brought up. Because mm-hmm. I feel like there's some people that like, when you bring up race, they hold their breath. And some people are really good at low-key holding their breath the whole time. Like, you would think that they're, like, a professional diver. The way they're just, like, like nothing really changes. You're like, oh, they must be breathing. Like, they're, like, pretend, like, it's almost like a robot, like, pretending to breathe, but it's, like, you're not actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Or, like, breathing into the space of, like, almost, like, waiting for the shoe to drop kind of feeling. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you brought it up. What's, what are we getting at? Versus, like, people when you talk to about race, white or not, it's they are breathing with you with it. Like, they're not afraid Mm -hmm. to be in the same room because knowing that, like, again, just bringing it up isn't inherently negative. Like, it just needs to be a part of the conversation. But not a lot of people have that ability to breathe Mm -hmm. through it. Yeah. Well, I mean, not a lot of people have the ability to breathe through really much of anything. Yeah. You know? Like, and I think race is just something that people get really triggered by. Mm -hmm. Um, And... (laughs) and there are so like yeah and and so it's like yeah it makes sense that there would be that like clenching moment Mm -hmm. um especially whenever there's that clenching moment with just like so many things especially like i used to work in a um what was our office called a communications office (laughs) right right yeah so that was sort of like what we were trained to do is like when race is brought up hold your like like if something bad is about to happen, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, bro. But but I'm grateful because I went into that job after being in the art school where we were having so many conversations about race all the time, and the student body specifically was just so critical of the the teachers and the staff and the administration already you know Mm -hmm. so I already was coming into it with like I'm not gonna feed into this sort of training that you're trying to give me you know but for someone who hadn't had exposure like a lot of it is just about exposure you know for sure yeah for sure like when you think about how the power behind a stereotype the power behind conditioning that lends itself to a stereotype that when you see a black person and your first thought is fear Mm -hmm. like that's undeniable and like how personally like the personal is political Mm -hmm. in that way Mm -hmm. and like if you i mean it's the same with any kind of thing like just follow your fear go closer to it Mm -hmm. and like actually see what the fuck you're thinking about when you're interacting with that thing afraid of heights go jump off a bridge with the with the thing on (laughs) with the thing on you know but like still exposure across the board like Mm -hmm. it's so wild to me that like because we don't know things we're afraid of things right color friendship yeah (laughs) (laughs) i knew you were gonna bring up at some point i just didn't expect it right then but yeah you're right right, every time whenever you're talking about what a white person being afraid of a black person yeah that's what i think about is that movie Mm -hmm. because that movie and that TikTok that I saw of the uh the film what is that called uh whenever you're the film review person talking about Mm. that 
that movie. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She was talking about how it's like, well, first of all, it's basically the only Disney Channel movie that talks about race mm-hmm. explicitly. Yeah. And it's also True. one of the only movies that takes that sort of fear that you're talking about and actually depicts it and shows how quickly the main character can return back to humanity. Mm-hmm. And just just through exposure. Right. You know? Um, right. I mean, Monsters, Inc. <laughs> I think the list, all I'm trying to say the list, the list is long. You know, I think yeah, people like true. to use these, like, far-off metaphors of different kinds of alien species and shit coming together. Like, when I think about Star Wars and how many different kinds of species there are and how, like, still there's just a bunch of white dudes in a ship <laughs> <laughs> trying to just take everything. Literally. I'm like, can you just go talk yeah. to the person with tentacles coming out of their ears and, like, try to, like, you know, just, just go discover what kind of music they like and, like, figure out where else you all probably have a lot in common. Right. Like, and it doesn't have to be that deep, but it's deep all the time, right. unfortunately, yeah. with that race. But what do you think, beyond just exposure, would, like, introduce more diversity into the relationships of the world? Well, I was actually just reading a book, and it had a great idea in it, which mm-hmm. is that everyone should take a year-long course. And I like mm-hmm. your idea, too, about everyone taking a year-long course about love. Absolutely. I think that's great. Thank you. I think mindfulness. Yeah. So if everyone could just take a year, and I don't think this is too much to ask considering people are getting married and having children. Before any of those major life decisions happen, I think everyone should just take a year mm-hmm. and practice mindfulness, sitting, breathing, you know, being quiet. Um, the art of shutting up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, really, like... Basically building an awareness of what ideas and beliefs and intentions have either been given to you, passed down to you, are in your bloodline. Mm -hmm. Like, what lives in you? Mm -hmm. You know? What lives in you? And building an awareness of it, and then through that awareness, like, you will will change. (laughs) You know? Because I think that, like we as humans have a sort of like intrinsic humanity to us what that like we need to return to absolutely that's what i that's what i think what do you think? education <laughs> yeah that too well yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> with your uh, yeah year-long course um <clears throat> i think if people <laughs> yeah if people treated going out and meeting people the same way they treated dog parks i think we get a little more traction just of like i'm gonna go to a place where i know any kind of anyone could be there but i'm gonna go there and i'm gonna interact Mm -hmm. granted i know i feel like there's articles coming out now where like dog parks aren't as great for dogs as you think they are blah 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 but my point (laughs) is just (laughs) going out into public and making a point of Talking to someone who doesn't look like you or talk like you. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that to me has always been an exciting thing. And that's why I got into hospitality. Like, I like talking to different kinds of people. And that's been, like, a driving force for how I go about people. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of more people should cultivate a sense of curiosity in how they navigate meeting people. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Just something where, yeah, I feel like whether it's, because I honestly feel like between that course you're talking about, mindfulness, and a course on, like, how to love, that covers a lot of bases. Yeah. But just, like, also just make it a point to just, yeah, talk to someone who doesn't look like you. Mm-hmm. A weekly thing, a monthly thing. Yeah. Whatever it is, just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On purpose interactions. Love it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, yeah. but I didn't get a chance to ask. Oh, wait. Did you answer about what's what were, what's the biggest difference whenever you're, like, dating someone outside of your race? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I guess it just goes back to that. Whoever can, like... I mean, I wouldn't date oh, anyone now. You were yeah, who who brings it up? And then just in general, yeah, like, who can be in that room yeah who can actually do that i mean i think now i've gotten to a point where i've got a lot more dignity integrity and self-respect where i wouldn't put myself in any situations that i willingly put myself into before Mm -hmm. i mean we all got to work out our patterns in our young ages you know i'm in a big age now but like at our younger ages it's like you kind of just feel i yeah i think it's just research at some point or other like i mean most of my young relationships have been not even from like a standpoint of who I was dating but just like for me it was a lot of curiosity of like question mark what is a relationship and do I want one of those Mm. and then the people I was around I think were just people that were mirroring familiarity to me through their whiteness or through something else that we could bond over that Mm. felt like this was a safe enough person to navigate that with Mm -hmm. but now I think to put an overarching like like I'm fascinated when I go on TikTok live Mm -hmm. and you know, I watched that LGBTQ speed dating thing with Joss. Joss, if you're listening, you are so fucking funny. It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen just because the, the host is super funny and, like, the people that come on. It's fascinating to me to see, like, in the, within, like, the queer community, like, like, I'll see a TikTok. I'm going to wrap it back. <laughs> but what's a stud? And, like, a stud is, like, mm. a black lesbian. Like, there's, like, like, there's these different umbrella terms, right, that we all, like, have our definitions for. And, like, in this dating, the speed dating, like, arena... People will get on, Joss will ask, like, what's your type? And they'll be like, oh, I like anybody. Then anybody comes up and it's like, the person who they ask, what's your type, is black. And then the person they brought up is white. And like, oh, I forgot to say, like, black people only kind of thing. Mm. And I think tying that to the conversations you would often, like, see online of, is it, quote unquote, okay to have a preference of, like, who you date mm-hmm. and all that and what that means and what that leads to? Like, for me, like, when I think about the people that I have dated or will date, the lines of race are like the overarching umbrella but it's like what conversations am i willing to be a part of because of my race Mm -hmm. and for a lot like for the white people in my life now like i feel very comfortable of like i don't feel like i'm code switching really or even like doing things that feel like i'm tamping down the way i was tamping down a lot of my life Mm -hmm. in ways i didn't even know yet right but now it's like okay yeah just what kind of negotiations are you trying to be about mm-hmm. because a lot of people i mean you could date anyone who brings something to the table in their idea about race that you just don't really vibe with mm-hmm. or want to be a part of exactly and it's a lot more than just the outside book cover of are you white or black mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean don't get me wrong i totally understand it whenever like any person of color is like i just i'm not dating white people right now right and i'm like i <laughs> yeah. get that because it's fair it's there is inherent labor you know yeah in that. um oh and like you said you know there's a joy that comes with being around someone of the same race as you whenever sure. you're a black person you know um so 
yeah, I totally understand that. But, and I also, like, for me, I just could never imagine ever, like, because I don't have any type of any type, you know, I just could never imagine, like, meeting someone that I really connected with Mm -hmm. in, like, conversation or, Mm -hmm. you know, compatibility, like, whether it be physical or intellectual or whatever, and just being like, no, I can't date you, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Right. But, okay, I'll say this, I was about to ask a little devil's advocate question. What you got? (laughs) But I have, because I recently re-downloaded Hinge Mm -hmm. for a little research for this app, and (laughs) because I was like, what, you know, do I have any sort of, like, um, like proclivities. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed that they have a little section on there now where you can say if you're like monogamous, non-monogamous. And anytime I see someone that's monogamous, I'm just like, eh. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I, and I, I tend to press the X quicker than I would for someone who it said non-monogamous. Yeah. Um, cause you're not monogamous because I'm non-monogamous. However, uh-huh. that doesn't mean I can't date a monogamous person. I think it means they don't want to date you. True. Because I think the people that are monogamous who are into, who wouldn't mind whatever the word is, the connotation, mm-hmm. wouldn't mind polyamory in their life, they'll say that. Maybe, yeah. They would be specific. Yeah. I feel like most monogamous people are like, please don't bring that up. <laughs> I'm, I know I've made the pool smaller for me. Right. Please let me be in peace in monogamy over here. But at the same time, it's also the thing of exposure that we've been talking about, where it's yeah. like, who knows if I met someone in their profile said monogamous and we really hit it off and it's like they've just never experienced what healthy non-monogamy could look like. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other, like, pipeline, I feel like, of dating ethics. Before you even get into polyamory, like, what elements of non-monogamy are inherently just healthy to relationships? Mm. And if Mm -hmm. you are monogamous and you haven't explored that, it can feel like a whole bridge you gotta, like, build to get there versus, like, bro, like, we're just talking about possession and, like, communication (laughs) and, like, the fact that you're already inherently polyamorous as a human being on earth, just like mm-hmm. through your platonic relationships and family relationships. But mm-hmm. if you don't want to get into it and you just are signaling that through I'm monogamous, like that's, that's your right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I support you over there, boo boo. Right. Mm-hmm. But my point is, yes. is that like nothing is absolute. Nothing. 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 Um, Can't be dogmatic. And so with that, I still, even whenever I hear someone say, you know, state that boundary with themselves of like, I'm only dating this type of person or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I still can hear that and be like, I'll respect that Mm because that's your boundary with yourself. And also... I know it's not absolute. Right. Come on, I think it's it's all <laughs> in the linguistics. Right. Right. Like when even when I think about that for myself, I'm like, I've got a lot of white people in my life. Like I'm just prioritizing mm-hmm. connections that aren't that. It's a priority, but it's not like a hard, fast, dogmatic like, bro. Absolutely not. It's right. just this is what I know I need more of, and this is what I'm seeking in my own capacity levels. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. So what does, okay, you mentioned that you feel like you have to, you don't have to code switch anymore and things like that, or Mm -hmm. as much as you feel like you have in the past. Right. Um, What does, I guess to expand on that, what does it, what does safety kind of look like or feel like 
in your relationships and how does that Ooh. transition like privately to publicly it, it all comes down to awareness awareness of our surroundings mm-hmm. awareness of the company we're keeping like i feel like i've experienced some experiences you couldn't waterboard out of me on this podcast that are just scarring oh. of like how the white person was just not at all like even in the baseline of being like considering me in the room right right and like those are experiences where i think you live and you learn right but in the more uh uh, i guess casual instances or just like instances that i feel like i can speak to or just yeah it comes back to awareness i feel like Mm -hmm. i've been put in silly situations before and like just having a conversation afterwards just being like bro like next time before, you know, we kind of get our ass, our asses, like, assed out in the middle of the boonies and, like, I'm the only black person around, like, like you need to kind of, like, take the lead for, like, how we're going to approach, you know, whomever. Okay, I have a specific instance <laughs> where my friend, like, literally just, like, drove their car in the middle of this, like, state park that we were at and their car got stuck. So we were just, like, in the middle of nowhere, bumfuck Virginia, just the two of us. My friend is white, I'm me. And I'm like, how are we going to move about this? And, like, there was, like, a farm, like, some acres away. So we start walking towards it. And, like, me and this old man farmer, like, lock eyes. This old white dude. And he he starts walking towards his entrance. And I start walking towards it. And, like, his son starts to join him. I'm like, oh, fuck me, man. Yeah. And then, like, (laughs) my friend's a bit shy. So I was just like, I got to, I got to, I got to use my words. I got to do this thing. And it was me, like, taking the lead of, like, hey, like, our car got stuck in that part can you like help us out and like this dude was so you better never show yourself around here again and just like very like oh my god but like he was still deep in his southern hospitality where he did get his tractor and he pulled us out (laughs) but he was talking shit the whole time and that's an instance where i'm like Mm, self-awareness if we're out in public and all you see are white people there's an energy there we all need to like be like aware of and like Mm. You know, I think it just comes down to, too, like, being able to, like, get get buck if we need to. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I hang around anyone now where if someone said something, whether it's about me or, like, just race in general in the room, like, that shit's not going to slide. Mm-mm. That shit is not going to be, like, no. Like, glick glock, it, it's over. Absolutely. Like, I don't think, I think a lot of my childhood where it was just passive, like, well... They, yeah, they get freedom of speech, right? I'm like, fuck that shit. Like, yeah, no, literally. you're going to hear it now. And I think I the company you keep has to be on the same page as you if you're going to keep that peace and keep mm-hmm. that protection for yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I definitely feel like the road trip, I noticed mm-hmm. a lot of my own sort of hyper awareness of where we are texas yeah when we were in new mexico i was like if texas wasn't (gasps) so damn big like i'd be driving this whole time yeah (laughs) for real you know because like it doesn't honestly though at the end of the day like when we're in the u.s in general like i do feel safer socially like whenever i'm driving whenever it's you and me yeah um well yeah i mean that's it just doesn't always work out that way obviously you know as much um, as I want to be a passenger princess, <laughs> I also do like to drive, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, I I totally get uh, what you're saying about, like, awareness. And I think, like, the more that I have 
dated, been friends with, just hung out with people of color in general. Like, I think that that awareness definitely has, like, built up more and more, Mm -hmm. like, in my own body. And now I can kind of feel it. And I feel like now it might even teeter towards, like, a little bit too, like, like the fear almost mm. it teeters towards fear every now and then like fear if, for yourself or like protection no, protection i see protection um like even like taking you down to like visit my family in north carolina just because i have never really seen them ever interact with any black people before So I was like, what's about to come out of their mouth? You know, like, I don't know. They all seem to me like I've experienced a certain version of them. I'm also white and I'm also their family. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, like, you're my family. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think that that translated to them very clearly. And I made that pretty explicit, you know, like, Mm -hmm. this is my best friend that I'm living with and Mm -hmm. I'm traveling with Mm -hmm. all year. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So like y'all fuck with them like you're not gonna be hearing or seeing from me yo <laughs> straight up i mean i've had to say that to my own family right <laughs> straight up yeah sometimes you gotta divorce people over that shit i'm like talk some shit get some shit right mm. yeah and i mean you know i think hopefully you had a decent time there and i think that yeah they all- do they have this little black girl doll sitting there? <laughs> Representation matters. Oh, <laughs> I was looking at her. I was like, you know, I, I I rested a little more easily into the couch when I saw her looking at me while we were watching football. I was like, okay, I got sis in the house. Let's go. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> there you have it. Yo, but I think like 2020. And even before then, I mean, black people have been protesting a long time just to stay alive Yeah. type shit. And there's just been this long threaded, um, if you're about it, be about it energy for, and I, yeah, when I think about, I feel like a lot of this conversation is going back to black and white because like, that's literally like our identities, of, mm-hmm. which of who's in the room. Mm-hmm. But I just mean like, it's an overarching, like, um, racial acknowledgement of it like i think the through line is like we have to be able to put our bodies on the line for other Mm -hmm. bodies Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who are under fire like in general and like that energy has to like translate from casual to not so casual like across the board i think for us to really like keep growing and keep doing like the the work people are always talking about you gotta do the work like that i think a lot of that comes from that energy and it's not just like white people for black people it's when you're in the room yeah i mean i'm probably preaching to the choir Mm -hmm. but i just feel like i need to say like yeah it's just whomever in the room needs it the most like you have to be able to be in the ability to put your body on the line for them Mm -hmm. because yeah race it, it sounds so clunky in its dichotomy of how it's just often white versus black or like Mm -hmm. something to that diluted effect but it's just so much more than that that yeah just wanted to say absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think that speaking of protest i think that that is something that was a big lesson for a lot of white people Mm. in 2020 was going to protests and realizing like yes this is my time to put my body on the line in in a very very like uh visceral way you know and I think that hopefully that sort of 
experience um, can translate into more of the day-to-day, you know, Mm -hmm. actions and things like that that we see. Because I think a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, too, yeah, it's so important for change to happen on, like, a macro level and also a micro level. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that's a lot of what you and I do on a day-to-day basis is just, like, what are we doing on a micro in a micro day-to-day kind of way. Mm -hmm. Um, Because even just, like, us waking up every day and, like, meditating, like, that is kind of, like, changing the world. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. So with that, like, what's been one of the most impactful moments you've experienced while dating Mm. interracially? Yeah. I mean, I definitely go to the road trip. Um, I'm trying to think if there is a specific moment. I mean, yeah, probably what I just shared about taking you down to see my family. Mm -hmm. Um, I never like came out to my family either. So that's like another side bit to that. (laughs) (laughs) It like, I feel like I didn't really know that till like long after the fact, like when Uh you told me that what in October Uh after I'd already spent all this time with them and I'm saying aunt joy, uncle Rob (laughs) right along next to you. Yeah, no. You wouldn't really know. And I think that that's, like, one of those things that is really beautiful when that... And I'm sure that... I don't know how you came about, whether it was a decision for you or not to Mm -hmm. come out or not come out. But I love when it's just what is. When it just slides. Like, the way my second family, like, knew about my queerness. Like, I, like, did a project in college about queer clothing and shared it, put it on YouTube. And, like, Mm -hmm. my second dad, like, looked at it. And then Matt, his son, texts me and says, hey, like, my dad saw something online about, like, something about queer clothing. Like, are, you, are you, like, a part of that community? I was like, yeah. He's like, cool. <laughs> and, like, that was it. It yeah. wasn't even, like, versus how I thought I had to, like, sit my parents down type shit. Like, it's great yeah. that when you can just kind of have your identity slide in the same way it would be like, oh, I don't eat meat anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much how, mm-hmm. I, how I went about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're not talking about this right now. We don't really have to get into it more than that. But yeah, what about you? Do you have an impactful moment that's coming up for you? For dating interracially? I mean, you already shared, like, a big story about, you know, a situation where, you know, that was dangerous. Yeah, I'll do the flip side of the coin then. I think when I've been in, in relationships with somebody who's not white, there is that... There's a certain kind of ease, and I don't use this as a comparative ease. It's just an ease that's either kind of there or it's not. And you can have ease in a lot of other different ways, even if you don't have this particular ease. Mm-hmm. That I think is easy to point out when I think about celebrating black love. Mm-hmm. But when you're just like, have that as like a baseline. Like, having a race in common with somebody presents such like a level of like, looking into the mirror type shit. And, like, same team shit. And, like, it's, like, when I met someone for the first time this year who was, like, also, like, queer and from Cameroon. I was, like, oh, family. <laughs> Yo, family. Like, yes. Like, I would I would die for you tonight. Just for whatever it may be. Just because, like, that, that is, like, literally, like, my people, like, in mm-hmm. that way. And, and I am always going to be that person who is still going to say, even if you have your own kid, like, I think it's a lot more metal when you have chosen family. Mm-hmm. But there still is something about when you have that linkage to someone of we're from like blood in a way it's just like holy shit Mm -hmm. like a kind of just comfort in that of like 
regardless of whether or not it gets romantic or not, it's like, I, like that level of protection you're talking about, that rises up too. It's like, I would ride for you mm-hmm. in a way where, cause I know that like riding for you is riding for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's just an endless pour in, pour out that my freedom is your freedom. Everything is everywhere mm-hmm. in those kinds of connections, I think. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't say it as a comparative thing that you can't access that with not those kinds of connections. It just comes out differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think something that came up for me when you were saying about the flip side of the coin, um, I think there was just a moment, like I have said on this podcast before, like I was in a pretty, you know, I was in a a monogamous, like heteronormative, predominantly monogamous, heteronormative relationship for a few years. And I think there was just like a point where I was like, I want to talk about like real shit. Yeah. You know, like I want to talk about... All the things I talk about in art school, right? I want to be able to talk about those things in my romantic relationships, in my closest inner circle relationships. That's your right. And I want to be able to like be emotionally like vulnerable as well. And there was just like a blockage there, and I think that's a lot of like patriarchy mm. in general. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we. I think we've talked about this in relation to, like, Bell Hooks All About Love, where, um, yeah, I feel like there was just this, like, again, just this moment for me where, and I don't know if it was, like, necessarily, like, a specific, I guess, yeah, I can pinpoint in my head right now is coming up, like, a memory of a conversation that I was having with my ex and we're sitting at the kitchen table and mm. I'm asking all these questions, all these questions, all these questions and just getting nothing, Damn. nothing, nothing, nothing. And I think that that's when I first started to kind of like realize that that relationship couldn't really be my quote unquote everything like right. he wanted it to be. Right. You know, and it to be fair, like nothing will ever be anyone's everything like that statement in and of itself is just like a farce i think (laughs) agree and everyone can be like because there are a lot of people that are everyone that are that is someone's everything too right right like it's both and um so yeah that's just like another thing that came up for me when you were talking about sort of the flip side of the coin Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I guess all in all, it just, the through line is dialogue. You just, you gotta be able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You gotta be able to talk about it. Because even that course that you're in, like, I'm still sus about it being called undoing whiteness. Because I'm like, linguistics do matter mm-hmm. when we talk about these things and consider these things and actionize ourselves from this source point of race. It's just, there's so much to it. And it's also just the most simple thing in the world. Yeah. That, yeah, I mean... I challenge anyone to like just get more comfortable talking about it, get more comfortable exploring it, get more comfortable with yourself. There's no right or wrong like fucking race, bro. It's just damn. Mm-hmm. Just gotta figure out how to talk to each other. <laughs> like I, I, in all my years of being black, I'm just <laughs> that's my conclusion. Like shit, yeah. find a way to talk about it. Right. Yeah. But again, I feel like goes back to episode one of this this season of Mm. like how are you really gonna like talk to other people if you aren't even talking to yourself right the source point yeah you know it's Mm -hmm. like 
Same thing with like um, spiritual like leaders, right? Like we think of them as these people that we can always go to like no matter what and they're going to like give us these answers or give us advice or guidance or whatever. And while that might be true, like why do you think that they're able to do that? Mm-hmm. It's because they're able to retreat into their own practice. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they have nothing to give. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Can't pour from an empty cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, great. Great reflections there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is just really the tip of the iceberg. God, we could really yeah get into talks about race for the rest of our lives. And we will be, mm-hmm. obviously. Right. But yeah, for now. Anything else to add? Yeah. I think the only other thing that's coming up with what you just said about, like, linguistics and stuff is that it's kind of, like, as much as you and I talk about how frustrated we are with, like, the English language Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. limiting it is and especially how, um, like, noun-oriented it is. Yes. Um, I will say that I feel like there's a huge like benefit in a lot of ways to just the amount of like words that we have now that I've at least been exposed to to be able to identify like things within myself you know and especially as it relates to race and gender and sexuality and Mm. all of these identity things um as much as I say like I'm everything right Mm -hmm. like I also I'm really grateful just for all of the, like, language and words that help me understand my everythingness, mm-hmm. ultimately. Um, yeah. And I think... <sighs> yeah, I'll leave it there. All right! <laughs> yeah. Anything else from you? I... <sighs> interracial dating it's it's a beautiful thing it's i hope to see more and more of it i feel like again i'm kind of like shaken by how many people i know Mm -hmm. who do that and do it well Mm -hmm. and yeah i'm always down to celebrate leaps and bounds of diversity and how we like all come together and just make things pop Mm -hmm. through that but yeah that's that's all i got all right Mm -hmm. well as always y'all thanks for tuning in and we'll see y'all next week adios please dear god keep the gay agenda alive and tell your gay friends about this gay ass podcast bless bless bless